The Versecast is brought to you by Engine. Create your free community website at enjin.com. Jimmy, it's humid. It's humid, and I don't like it. Yeah, you have that problem. I, on the other hand, do not. Your linen trousers are probably still uh, sharply creased. Mine are not. <laughs> How you doing up there in the humidity? I'm hating it. Um, it's not so bad. It's, it's just good. We got some rain this year, so that that'll be nice. Um, and and the politicians all came out today, and they said, "Hey, there's so much water. We're not gonna we're not gonna like you know charge you more money or uh, impose draconian measures." And then I woke up. <laughs> Sprinklers for every house. <laughs> Sprinklers for everyone all the time. Fa la 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 la. I uh, I spent many many years in Southern Florida. And uh, I have had all the humidity I can stomach. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's. I'm not born to. I'm a Bay Area boy. I mean, I'm, I'm used to fog and and summertime highs of about 67. Mm-hmm. So this is killing me here, but that's ah, all right. First world problems. It's true. We are those guys with ships, and this is episode 68 of the Versecast, the best damn star citizen podcast. Today is April 18th, 2946, and Jimmy, you know what began about three, actually exactly three weeks ago today? Do tell. Eve's, Eve Online's growing great new war. That's or new great war. That's something you don't hear every day. <laughs> no, Hey, I no. got this war. It's great. <laughs> well, as uh, just a, a friend of mine who uh, was uh, over this weekend said, "Hey, how come you you play that Eve game?" And I said, "No, no, I don't." And he said, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, I, I just you know reasons." Uh, he said, "Well, I heard that there's you know just this epic thing going on in there now, and uh, you know it sounds really interesting." And uh, oh, hey, can you pass the hot sauce? So um, after passing the hot sauce, I ran to the interwebs and looked it all up. And yes, yes, uh, beginning about three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, they had um, an epic battle where hundreds of thousands of dollars in real world money worth of in-game assets got destroyed. Yeah, yeah, I remember well, that. Yeah, well, apparently um, uh, something similar has begun again. Um, I guess in the initial battle, there were some 5,800 pilots involved, which I mean, it's just astounding to me that you have 5,800 people online essentially in the same space playing together you know I mean you have you know you know different factions or what have you but I mean just the idea I mean we're we get uh, we get uh, you know six or eight uh, those guys with ships in one instance at Port Olisar and we're like (laughs) woohoo multiplayer um but uh, so anyway, that's um, I'll post a link in the show notes to this uh, uh, event for uh, or to a report 
uh, on this event, which um, um, is, I guess, uh, has been going on for uh, the next three weeks or the past three weeks, and, the, and they say is likely to go on for quite some time. Um, the uh, the too long didn't read version of what's happened thus far is. Uh, that they're, um, uh, the largest coalition in the game got bored because no one wanted to fight them. Um, the first group they attack avoided them and left them to the extremely boring task of taking over uncontested space. The second attack was against a number of small groups, and instead of crumbling as expected to the superpower, they banded together and pushed them back out of their area of space, taking all the big coalition's assets in the area as they did so. Once people saw it was possible to beat this super coalition, most of the player groups in the game decided to band together with encouragement from an enormously rich group of gambler-slash-bankers who had grievances with one of the super coalition's component alliances. Today marked a major victory in taking the strategically important staging system of one of the super coalition's player groups, which caused that group to flip sides to the attackers. So... I don't know what the date on this late, latest entry was, but it was fairly recent. But anyway, so you know, big war, um, big you know, big big bad guy attacks little group, um, little group uh, bands together with other little groups and fight back, and they win. And it's just, and if you had a reclaimer in that game, boy, you're getting rich now. <laughs> nice. Whatever the equivalent. Is. I um. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever try Eve? I, I know we've talked about this briefly in the past. No, not not in earnest. I think that you, when they had one of the you know try it free for seven days things, I I logged in, um, and even in looking at this article, you know the the words are much more interesting to me than the pictures. Um, I've watched mm. some of the videos and stuff, and I you know I, I can't criticize. I've never given the game a fair a fair chance. Um, kind of why I haven't done so um, is because it's been going since two thousand three, so it's thirteen. 13 years old and you know most video games have a have a uh, an active life of what you know three to five years maybe um if if that so i i just i feel like if i, if I was to jump on board now that would be that would be the the death nail as they say um and it would kill the game and it would go away and i will have wasted all my time. <laughs> well it, it's funny you should say that i've had a um i've had a a long but brief history with Eve. Oh. Yeah. I, um, I, I, when I, when I first heard about Eve, and this was probably 2003, 2004, um, I wasn't that interested because it was, you just played as a ship. And I, I always, I've always enjoyed playing an avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like, man, not really my bag. Then, um, as Star Wars Galaxies kind of weaned, um, I was playing WoW with, with my wife, um, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I decided, well, let me go ahead and give uh, Eve a, a try. And so I jumped in and gave it a, a real-world try. And the game had been out for a couple of years at this point. And I was just like, well, I, I just the things that I want to do, um, which predominantly are smuggling and moving illicit goods, really just they weren't quite there. So mm-hmm. I stopped playing. So then a couple of years goes by, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try again. And I tried again for a little while and just couldn't get into it. A couple of years goes by, I try again. This time I'm like, I'm going to give it the, you know, the gung-ho, full-on try, and I really played. And I, I uh, leveled up, and I started learning skills and just going out, and, and, I, and I started to enjoy the game. And I remember going out into null space um, and uh, finding... I always felt like I was behind the curve on that game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I always... I didn't have a whole lot of friends in game. I didn't have a lot of friends who were playing the game, so it was really difficult for me to meet people. And, and again, being so far behind the curve... 
and the thing that really kind of just killed it for me was I made it out in the null space. I, I made it into a player uh, org and a player uh, or um, corporation and made it into a player hangar. And I have a very, I've always had a very sporadic play schedule. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I can play more than I can other times. And I'll never forget, I didn't play for, for like 30 days or so. Um, and I logged in and I couldn't get into my hangar. I couldn't access any of my ships. And I was basically told, uh, you're a spy. Uh, we, we don't, you're out of our organization. And I was like, I, I don't even know what just happened. No, yeah. And I was what? just like, you know what? I, I'm never, I'm never going to feel like I'm going to be able to catch up with the community that's already playing this game. And it mm-hmm. just really turned me off. And I just, I, I never went back. I think that um, I've, from whatever how I've heard other people describe it, I think that um, almost as much of the game exists outside of the game itself. Right. In you know uh, in blogs and in um, you know or, or they're, they're corporate are they corporations I think they're corporations yeah corporations in, in corporations uh, in their you know web pages and what have you and so there's a lot of um, I guess it's a very political game very um, lots of intrigue and subterfuge um, and you know politics so yeah. um, uh, I think it's um, you know it, that part of it doesn't necessarily appeal to me too and and I just. It, I, I've in the videos I've seen, you know, the ships. Um, I'm sure they're really cool once you get in and you know the stats about them, you know something about them. But um, they're not visually appealing enough to me for for me to get to that point. Well, I know in recent years, and the thing is, the game has has been around for 13 plus years, and they've continued to improve the graphics. Um, that actually brought me back after that really bad experience. Um, the graphic updates and the, the avatar creation brought me back to the game for a very brief time, but. They never really did anything with the character creation, and um, and I still felt behind the curve. The thing is, though, I mean, kudos to um, to the creators, uh, you know, to Eve. Um, the game's been around for a very long time; it's very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, as I understand it now, um, with Star Citizen nipping at their heels the last couple of years, they've really kind of. My understanding is they've really kind of kicked it into overdrive with content, um, uh, with uh, graphic upgrades and things like that. So it's cool that, to see a game last that long and be still be you know relevant. I, I grant that they kind of had you know the the market cornered for a long time because no one was really creating space sims, but you know still got to give it to them for for the longevity. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, and you know, I th- you might not even be able to call it call it a space sim, really. I mean, you know, one of the criticisms is it's just spreadsheets in space. Yeah. Um, so it may be space themed, but uh, it may be uh, um, not really appropriate to call it a simulation. Yeah, fair you know? enough. So um, anyway, it's um, uh, that just got got me interested, and I, I trolled uh, trolled around. I did not troll. I searched around, and um, I found that there was a book uh, actually written came out uh, earlier this year uh, called The Great Wars of Eve Online and um, it discusses uh, how the, the game started and the um, uh, the rise and fall of, of corporations within the game uh, from uh, its inception through uh, I guess the, the, uh, there was a, a really big war in 2009 so anyway I, I picked that up and I'm gonna, gonna give it a read uh, just because I think it's so cool to have Huge numbers of people involved in one event at the same time. So yeah, totally. Yeah, looking forward to this in Star Citizen. Um, 
I think it's it's going to. I mean, it seeing reading about that kind of group play um, excites me, re- reinvigorates my uh, my uh, my expectations for uh, the game that we. Oh are, yeah, uh, eagerly anticipating. Well, so. and, and and speaking of not you know lessons learned and not being or, or yeah lessons learned and not being behind the curve. Um, I have been sharpening my piloting and uh, FPS skills. Uh, I'll talk more about it in the next show. But uh, I went head to head with Dietrich. <gasps> oh my god. Uh huh. Oh my, and lived to tell. Uh huh. Uh, a little bit more than lived, my friend. A little bit more oh. than lived. Oh well, let's let's uh, let's uh, cliffhanger that right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a pin <laughs> on that, and uh, we'll talk about that in the next show. All right. Well, speaking of military ships, uh, there's a sale on until the 22nd of April, um, and it is free fly for everybody, and that's um, uh, folks in game. Um, who have already have an account, and all, and if you don't have an account, all you have to do is just sign up for free, and it's free fly until uh, the twenty fifth of April. So definitely uh, go check that out if you are at all interested, um, but uh, haven't haven't made the big plunge. Uh, you can go uh, download the current version of the game and try it for free. I, I forget the uh, ships that they're offering, but I think uh, the Delta, one of the Hornets, um, an Aurora, I think. I th- you know some some of the uh, nicer than than uh, bottom of the line ships, so um, definitely uh, check that out. And speaking of the Hornet, um, whoop, flare it is. <laughs> I didn't even write that; they wrote that. Stop it! I know. I, I when I read that, I said, "Oh, Jimmy's going to like this." And uh, so, anyway, for us subscriber types, this month's subscriber flare is the Hornet F7CR ship model. This realistic model ship model from Taikatsu, I guess it is. I, I always, every time I read that word, I think of breaded pork. Um, okay. Ta- Taikatsu <laughs> Starships, the most trusted name in ship models, is the 12th in a collection of Star Citizen ships. Display your Hornet with pride and then collect other models to complete the display. So, um, Jimmy, have you seen the Hornet in your hangar? I have. <laughs> it's a loaded question. Um, yes. Very excited for that. Um, well, I'm, I'm not very excited, but I prefer the ship models to space garbage and... Um, <laughs> I love that you call it space garbage. And silly plants. So, hey, I go. like the silly plants, and I don't mind the space garbage. Yeah, okay. Well, you just be you over there. <laughs> I'll just be me over here. All right. Wow. <laughs> space garbage. I scream, you scream, we all scream for... Bennies! Yay! Now, I think uh, it was... We were in chat sometime shortly after April 1st, and we were all sort of criticizing each other for being so gullible as to click uh, the buy button for the Big Bennies skinned Reliant that was uh, part of CIG's April Fool's celebration. Um, And I I think we mentioned it on the show uh, last time, too, that um, uh, we were wondering maybe if they were keeping track of... uh, if folks actually did click the button, and if enough people did, if they would maybe offer the skin because uh, folks were loving it so hard. But um, anyway, apparently they did pay attention, and they did keep track, because everyone that clicked that button, you had to be logged in, of course, um, has or will shortly receive a $5 coupon to spend on a purchase of their choosing. So yay, Big Benny. Thank you for that. Very cool. No word on whether or not that's ever going to be a ship or a skin that we can buy, but uh, $5, $5. 
Yeah, no, totally. I um, it, it's funny. I knew it was a hoax, but they had a click button, so it was like, it's like uh, Red and Stimpy, where it's like, whatever you do, don't touch the big shiny red button. Yeah, uh, it's just, you just can't help it. It's like I, I, you know, I knew it was an April Fool's joke, but I'm like, I, I'm gonna click the button and see what happens, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, it, well, it played a pretty video, and uh, and then you got five dollars. Yeah, it worked out nicely. I can figure out how to make that work every time. I could retire. Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, you're probably not. And uh, we got the monthly studio report in. So many words, but some nice pictures too. Moving pictures, video. <laughs> Moving pictures, Jimmy. We call them videos. Um, uh, the one that I uh, really liked was the EVA transition. So they're continuing uh, development on the EVA mechanic. And the difference between what was shown in, in this uh, presentation and uh, what we have right now could be even more better than between what we have now and what we had uh, Be- in the previous. More betterer. It just it looks so much better. Anyway, yeah. Do- well, and they've 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 made clear and noticeable improvements just you know in between the last few patches. So mm-hmm. um, to see where they're going with it, to see it continue to get better and better. Um, to see, I, I was really, you know, and again, these are small things, but it was really cool to see the avatar's, you know, legs uh, adjust accordingly to the size of the space. Yeah. You know, so they're they're really dialing it in, and it's really coming along nicely. It's going to be a, a fantastic mechanic when it's when it's fully realized. Yeah, I think between you know doing the EVA um, out in space, and then I'm guessing some of this will also uh, carry over to the to the SATA ball um, uh, matches. So um, I think it's. Um, Having a having control over your character in zero G that feels more intuitive, I think, is um, it can't be a bad thing. No, no, not at all. Yeah, and uh, there were other um, other videos in there to check out. Um, Adam Weiser talking about the Vega system in um, a re uh, a reprinting of the Loremakers Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, they they uh, also had the Andy Circus behind the scenes, which was interesting if you haven't seen it, and the subscriber edition of Reverse the Verse featuring the man himself, um, and then some Starfarer videos too. So all this stuff in one convenient place. Uh, you should go check this out right now. Monthly Studio Report. It's free. It's on the website. Why aren't you? So, speaking of the website and official things uh, from CIG, we uh, since last time we've had a couple episodes of Around the Verse, um, 2.26 and 2.27. In 2.26, we learned that Brian Chambers has gotten a haircut and is committing to being more energetic. <laughs> I'm glad he's making a commitment to that. Yeah. <laughs> Because people were complaining that he didn't seem energetic enough on his reports. Ugh, because that's got to just be brutal. I, you know, again, I really have to give it to the team. You know, when all is said and done, they're all going to have earned a very, very long vacation. <laughs> Dude is Thor, though. I mean, he's just he's just awesome. Um, and uh, then uh, also definitely check out the Around the Verse interview with uh, design director Todd Pappy and then Lando's visit with Captain Richard uh, in the wonderful world of Star Citizen. Uh, Captain Richard has one of those voices. I don't know if you are familiar with him, but he has one of those voices that no matter what you imagine he looks like in your head, when you finally see his face, uh, you just go, no way. <laughs> that's, that's not you. <laughs> I mean, because and you've met those people in person too, where like you hear a voice and you know you're you're at a a party or something, you hear a voice and you turn around and go, that didn't come out of you. <laughs> Dude has epic pipes. Is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Is that what you're trying to say? That is what I'm trying to say. 
Um, and then I thought the highlight of uh, last week's episode was a walk around on a procedurally generated planet. This is huge. Huge. Oh, it was shown in the uh, the new fast forward segment, which is at the end of the show. Uh, they used to call that the uh, sneak peek, uh, but they don't do that anymore because uh, the only constant has changed, Jimmy. And uh, true. If, you, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But what did you think of uh, of that? I, I think this is huge. Um, I I had also read an article, and I wish I could remember where it was. I may have started on Twitter. Um, where someone was also discussing um, this because when I saw this, I was like, "Wow, this is this is massive." They're they're crossing a huge hurdle by being able to uh, to build the you know the the procedurally created uh, planets mm-hmm. uh, or generated planets, and uh, so yeah, I was completely blown away. And it's it's obviously still you know a bit far along, but just the fact that uh, that they're actually showing stuff means that they're making serious headway. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and that's going to be, I think, a um, a key component in us getting to the point where we start um, being able to go to other systems, you know, because we need to, they need to be able to uh, set us loose on uh, jump points and uh, wormholes and uh, have there be something on the other end when we get there, and they can't, um, they can't craft all these things by hand. So. No, absolutely. I, I don't necessarily know if this is um, slowing up any of the uh, like the the pre-rendered like planets. I, I well, mm-hmm. maybe it is though. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah, no, it's. I, I don't know if this is gumming up the works in what they already have developed. I, I really couldn't say. Um, but just the fact that, uh, like you know, pupil to um, or uh, what is pupil to planet, um, mm-hmm. you know that that demo, they're they're getting closer and closer to realizing that. Um, and I think that that's huge, and and that little sneak peek is a very is, is very telling to how much further along they are than than we're really aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's very encouraging and just you know fun to watch. Oh yeah, totally, totally. It's so it's going to be so cool when they get that all of that uh, tech locked in. Yeah, I'm just going to go walking around for no reason at all. Yeah, well that that's the thing is you know um, you know the the ability to explore at that level. Um, to be able to get in and out of a ship, uh, be in first person or third person, uh, EVA, combat, professions. There's there's so much. It's such an ambitious project, and there's so much that's going into the game. Um, and, and you see, as a fan of the game, as someone that's following the game, to watch that development, um, you know, month in and month out and year in and year out. You know, I, we all know, those of us that follow the game closely, all know it's going to take a little while. It's, you know, it's going to be a couple more years, in my opinion, before the game is fully realized. Um, Star Citizen proper, not Squadron 42. Right. Um, but it's, it's well worth the wait. <laughs> yes, I mean, because can you imagine having you know having the the fidelity of uh, you know the the best uh, FPS you know crisis you know what have you um, along with um, the uh, uh, procedural generation that we're expecting out of No Man's Sky uh, plus the rich uh, MMO experience of the best MMO be that Warcraft or you know insert your favorite MMO here I mean having all of that together in one place with um, in space I mean it's just in space, space. totally um, and then this week's episode uh, with 2.3.1 out to live work on 2.4 is full speed ahead uh, content is locked down 
Um, so I think that uh, QA testing is in full effect now. And please, 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 please let the flyable Starfarer be all up in there. I'm going to be so sad if it isn't. So 2.3.1 is, is the last patch for 2.3. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. yes. Well, it, it, it just came out, um, what was it, last Friday? Yeah. Yeah. It went to live last Friday. So, um, uh, or maybe it must, maybe it was, it must have been before. No, no, that, that would be right. That'd be right. No, it could. <laughs> no, because uh, this uh, uh, around the verse was last Friday, and they reported that it was already out. So it's been out for a little bit. But I am so excited for two point four. It's going to be a hot mess when it first goes mm-hmm. live. It's going to be it's going to be a, a real hot mess on PTU, and then it'll be not quite as hot a mess when it goes to live. But uh, I am so excited for persistence. And and the thing is, historically speaking. That first iteration is always a hot mess. You get a ton of patches where they they fix a bunch of stuff. The game becomes more stable, still buggy, and mm-hmm. then and then you know a, a month or so later you've got a very stable, playable version of that particular patch. Um, and for all of the things that they're talking about being able to do, even in first iteration for two point four, uh, shopping, uh, basic character customization, you know, persistence. Um, you know, across across weapon um, weapon specs, and it's just uh, I'm so excited. And there's no way that you're going to get all the persistence you want in 2.4. No, no, of course <laughs> not. But yeah. just the fact that we'll have the beginnings of it, just the fact that we'll we'll you know have the the birth of persistence. Um, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to, at the very least, in, in persistence. Um, in the initial release of Persistence, uh, the ability to um, mod our weapons um, and have them stick in Crusader, uh, and the ability to, to uh, go clothing sh- shopping and buy clothes. Where is that going to carry over to Crusader? I don't know. Probably not. Um, you know how they're going to tie that stuff together? I have no idea. But I do think that we'll at least see um, the basic beginnings of shopping. And um, the persistence carrying over with uh, ship modifications. Well, I think that the shopping is going to happen in Crusader and Art Corp simultaneously. That's insanity. Well, I mean, it's just going to be you know kiosks and and, and whatnot. So and, oh. you know, small shops. Right. I wonder how um, I wonder how they're going to uh, allow for change changing into your flight suit. I wonder um, if they'll do. Just- you just get naked in public. There you go. Uh, but I wonder if they'll have like um, the same type of um, what is it, that little platform that you've got in your hangar? Yeah. I wonder if we'll see something like that, or if we'll see uh, uh, a more advanced uh, version of being able to uh, change your wardrobe. Changing rooms. Mm, changing rooms. <laughs> well, I, I would. I, you would think the thing is that they're really small, but you would think that you would have that ability in your Habicube. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, that well, there would be a way to yeah. do that. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, I know you didn't play a whole lot of GTA, but in GTA where you would go into your um, closet and change clothes. Right, 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 yeah. Now, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but yeah, e- even though it's going to be in its basic form, uh, very excited about 2.4. Yeah, me too. Um, and we they talked about the next concept ship is going to be the Misk Prospector. It's a mining ship. Uh, the price is going to be $140, and the sale begins Friday the 22nd of this month, so Friday of this week. It is said to have similar styling to that of the Freelancer. So if you like the swoopy-doopy lines, uh, you know, this uh, 
This may be um, the stylish addition to your mining fleet. Interesting. That you've been waiting for. Um, and um, under no circumstances should anyone miss the Around the Verse interview with Brian Chambers. He is the development director for Foundry 42. He recently got a haircut, as we mentioned a little while ago. Um, he's and trying to be more energetic. And he has worked on every important video game since Pong. <laughs> Almost. Nice. Dude is a winner. No, seriously, he's been in in uh, in doing this sort of work both in gaming and then also in um, uh, television production, television or and or movie production uh, for uh, more than twenty years. Um, a lot, uh, lot of talent in CIG. A lot of passion and a lot of talent uh, in CIG. He's just one of those guys that you just listen to him talk and you're just going, I feel good having you pulling the levers. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, he, he's just, he's not hyperbolic. Um, he's not, you know, he's not blowing smoke. He's just saying, yeah, no, this is what we're doing and uh, and this is what we came up against and this is what we did to deal with it. And um, the next time it comes up, you know, the way we might do it differently is this. I mean, he's very matter of fact and um, obviously extremely experienced and knowledgeable. So um, anyways, it's part uh, part one of, uh, of a two-part interview. So definitely check that out and then be looking for the second part in uh, ATV 2.28, which should be coming out on uh, the 21st of this of this week. No, the 21st of this month, which happens to be Thursday of this week. Um, and then more, more, more lore, you say? Well, then don't miss the man himself, Mr. Dave Haddock. Um, I don't, he, he's in charge of the lore stuff, right? I believe so, yes. He's Or he's the, you know... One of the, the head lore guys. Lore master, if you will. Loremaster. And he um, he guides us through the Farron system in the most recent installment of Loremaker's Guide to the Galaxy. And, um, oh, I meant to ask you, um, have you heard the most recent episode of Data Spike? No. Uh, it's um, uh, Have you listened to any of their, their shows? No. Data Spike is another Star Citizen podcast. I think that they just released episode eleven, so they've um, they they haven't been going too long. But um, anyway, they did a really nice lore retrospective from the beginning of uh, Star Citizen time to present. Oh, okay. And um, uh, definitely um, uh, check them out. Um, I found them on the iTunes. So uh, Data Spike, all one word, um, uh, fun show. Cool. You might learn something. I'm not careful. They, um, I'm assuming they went through the um, the CIG timeline. There's a there is a CIG uh, timeline that's out there that goes from relatively present day all the way out to uh, you know 2946. Uh, or I think they might stop at like 2944 because it was one of the first things that CIG put out. It was kind of uh, their way of of putting the game in context for themselves, and it's just something that happens to be um, out and about. Have you ever seen that, Gleep? Well, that's words, right? It is words, yes. No, Gleep doesn't do words. Gleep has to have sounds. It's it's words and pictures on a timeline. Pictures? Hmm. I'll um I'll include the uh, the link um, so we can have it in the show notes so people can check it out. But um, it's a really good um, timeline for Star Citizen from, like I said, relatively present all the way through. Uh, you know, they talk about the first jump engines uh, all the way through to twenty nine. I, th- I said twenty nine forty four. I think. Well, the pictures better be pretty. That's all I got to say. There they are. 
<laughs> all right. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, please do uh, do uh, add that so we can we can all enjoy the uh, the timeline of Star Citizen history. Um, and then in um, uh, finally in two point two seven, how EVA thrusters sound uh, may not seem like an interesting thing, but uh, do check out the again the fast forward segment this week in which you will learn just how interesting and immersive thruster sounds can be. They're thrusterific. Really? Thrusterific? Thrusterific? No. Stop it. Anyway, but yeah, d- check it out. Um, I would I would wear headphones, but it is really cool. It uh, very very. <laughs> okay, the uh, the link is is in. We'll have it in the show notes. But briefly, it's basically uh, citizen history.com. Nice. I will read it another time. Yeah, it starts at um, it starts at twenty seventy is when it starts. No, oh, okay. So, just a few weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, just a few weeks from now. <laughs> All right, and uh, we did get uh, ten for a couple of ten for the chairmans with the man. We got eighty one, eighty two, and I believe eighty three came out today. So, um, yay for that! But I, I understand from uh, reverse the verse on this last Friday that uh, that Chris has already gone across the pond. So um, that will be it from him for a little bit. But following up on something that I had made reference to in the last community show, Heroic Frog asked, can we expect same company synergy bonuses when choosing components? Would an Aegis cooler always work better in an Aegis ship? Or will third-party component companies such as JSPAN and Wen Casal have better overall stats due to component specialization? Um, or specialization, depending upon where you're from. And what Chris said is there certainly could be a case where there will be some equipment, say, uh, that say an Aegis ship has, uh, and the only kind of cooler that fits in it is an Aegis cooler. Whether or not there is a bonus because Aegis components work better with an Aegis ship, uh, he doesn't know yet, but uh, he's definitely going to bring it up um, with uh, the design folks because they're in the middle of finalizing a lot of their component stats. Um, So this could potentially be a very cool thing. And then he gives an example like there's an extra feature that you get with an Aegis cooler in an Aegis ship. It will still operate as a cooler on another ship, but you just wouldn't get the extra functionality, like maybe um, a special reading or something like that that um, that it gives you. So I mean, it's not going to be like a um, you know Aegis cooler, Aegis ship. You get a suitcase nuke. I mean, it's going to be you get like a, a a different dial that lights up, you know, and tells you something that you may want to know. You know, kind of like in real life. Yeah, no, and you know sometimes aftermarket parts uh, improve on things, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then in this week's, or actually, I guess it would have been a week ago, um, in episode eighty-two of ten four, um, a very interesting question. I thought um, WLB asked: Given that spaceport security and armistice zones are meant to protect against griefing, would it be possible for a really skilled and or coordinated team of players? to circumvent that security for nefarious purposes. Like, say, a handful of players role-playing as violent extremists want to stage a terrorist attack on Terra. And what Chris said is that it's an interesting question and that he would say that there will be places in which it will be almost impossible to do anything like that. And then there will be places where there is security in armatus zones, but if you're very determined and you shut down the appropriate security systems, you could potentially cause some mayhem there. 
Uh, he says that we'll build in such a way, we'll build it in such a way that doing a terrorist attack on a place like Terra is out of the question, but there will be some space stations and other places where the security isn't quite as tight, where a determined group of pirates could, for a very short period of time, cause some significant mayhem. We'll have some safe places, and then we'll have some completely unsafe places. You can probably make the most money in the unsafest areas, but of course there's going to be a higher risk. In the safe areas, you don't make as much money trading or doing other safe stuff, but it is safe and you're not likely to be attacked. But if you are, there's going to be a lot of backup that will show up to help you. That's the, you know, the 9 to 1 NPC to PC ratio. Right. Um, however, and this was um, something I thought was very cool, he said there could be an opportunity for a heist or something like that in a safe place uh, like the Terra system. Say maybe for a cargo, cargo ship full of gold bullion or something. But that kind of heist would have to be incredibly well planned. And then he gives an example of the movie Heat. Did you see that movie with uh, Pacino and De Niro? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so he says, you know, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Pacino, De Niro, they have to take down all these security systems and coordinate a lot of things all at once. And then they have a very small window of time in which to get away with uh, all the loot. Uh, So he, you know, I think he was just kind of thinking out loud as he does. Um, He says, but, you know, uh, those kind of heists might be available in uh, an area like Terra, uh, but it's going to be NPC AI driven. So um, it's uh, maybe, you know, and he gives an example that there's uh, a shipment coming from the Bank of Terra to somewhere else and maybe someone gets wind of it, uh, then it becomes a criminal mission. Um, But then, of course, uh, that could also generate missions for uh, other players to be working as security or, um, you know, working as... Um, you know, space police that uh, get, you know, a call that an alarm has gone off or something like that. So it would be uh, a really hard mission, but if, you, if, it, if it works out for you, you're going to get a huge payoff. But then also the downside is that you're also going to become really, really wanted. Um, so uh, they're going to build all those, all those things into the game. But I think that it's interesting, you know, we've, we were talking about, you know, um, a game like EVE where there's less um, uh, security uh, in place, you know, um, uh, and then, uh, you know, in Star Citizen, uh, they're going to have areas where it's basically you get to um, to uh, do uh, regular everyday sorts of things, you know, trading, um, uh, you know, doing uh, more um, or less risky things, um, uh, you know, like maybe, you know, flying your Genesis, Starliner, you know, you're flying tourists around. You're not necessarily... Uh, doing, um, uh, you know, moving cargo into dangerous areas. Uh, but anyway, so, but, you know, to add flavor to that safe area, so that safe area isn't always, you know, doesn't come across as being just completely milk toast. occasionally, you know, there could be like this uh, huge event happening sort of under the surface that, that uh, you normally wouldn't think about, but it would be rare and uh, when it happens, it'd be like, oh, wow, that, that kind of makes this area that is normally very uh, pedestrian more interesting. So, Well, I think, you know, there's, there's always been harassment and there's always been um, criminal gaming. That's weird. That's not how I meant that. There's always, there, there's, there's always been harassment in games and then there's always been like piracy in games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, or being a criminal in game is what I'm trying to say. Um, and depending on the mechanic of a game, there can be a very fine line between the two. And, and some people can use those mechanics 
as a form of harassment and just say, hey, I'm just playing the game as intended. And I think that CIG is very acutely aware of that, and they're really trying to be proactive in balancing being a pirate or being a harasser. You know what I mean? Um, right. And, you know, it, for me, in in the universe, it should be, it should be dangerous. Um, there should be... People should be pirates. People should be out there trying to actively take other people's stuff. That's part of living in a dangerous, you know, in a dangerous environment. And, you know, the vastness of the verse is supposed to be dangerous to varying degrees in various places. Mm-hmm. With that said... There are people out there that like to just ruin other people's gameplay for the lulls. And so right. trying to strike a balance between the two is is not easy. And I'm really curious to see how CIG addresses that. You can see kind of some basic concepts and basic things they're throwing out to try and, and, and mitigate that and also in concept. But... It's going to be very curious to see how they deal with that because Chris seems very aware of the fact that it's important to strike a balance between those two. Well, piracy is not the same thing as griefing. That's what I mean. That's my point. But yeah. but you can use piracy to grief people and say I'm just being a pirate. That's why. That's what I mean by it's a very very fine line, you know. And right. there there should be piracy in the game, you know. Right. There should no, be danger no, in the game. No. Yes. No. Gleep, the character, says no. Um, Gleep, the human being, or the the human being playing Gleep says yes, of course. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, you know, it's it's a very, very fine line. And I know we're going to talk more about this in the next show as well. Um, yes. But it's, it's interesting that it's very much in the forefront of CIG's mind, it, trying to figure out something that's very difficult, and that is striking a balance. You know, what is the difference between active gameplay and harassment yeah yeah i think so but but i so i think that that the like that you're right that they are definitely aware of this issue um and they are um they're designing i think it's it's ingenious the way they make it a um uh sort of an in-game or an uh an in-fiction solution to the problem yeah it's going it's going to or not the problem but you know if if you think of some a portion of terra where maybe this um this this uh, heist that chris was describing happens i mean we could maybe liken it to some you know the financial district in los angeles you know right where there's lots of police there's lots of security um, but you know what? If you're able to circumvent all the the security systems and uh, time everything just right, you're going to get a huge payday. Um, will you be able to spoof your identity uh, too, so that no one knows that you're the one that did it? Um, you know, if you're Robert De Niro, apparently not. <laughs> a little, <laughs> but, uh, a little, uh, little GTA on Terra, if you will. Well, you know, but it's but it won't be. You see, that's the thing that that um, about the example that I think is is so cool is that De Niro and Pacino in that heist are not, you know, going GTA and shooting people on the street. Yeah, you know, are no, no, shooting, shooting yeah. citizens. They they're doing a job. They're not. You know? uh, they're they're not. It's not reservoir. It's not when things go south in Reservoir Dogs. Michael Madsen is not in this game. <laughs> No Michael Madsen. I you're love gonna, Michael Madsen. Not in this game. You're going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? <laughs> God, he's so good at what he does. 
Um, so anyway, I thought that that was uh, was really interesting, and especially you know we'll tease the next show a little bit. We're going to talk about it some more uh, about uh, you know the the griefing and our expectations for security in the game. So um, stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, reverse the verses. Um, we had one on uh, the eighth, and uh, in that we got some ship statuses. Work on the Carrick has recommenced, and when the Caterpillar is finished, the folks that are working on it will be moved over to work on the Carrick. So that's exciting. I know a lot of people are very excited about the Carrick um, and uh, are looking forward to seeing some updates because um, I don't think there have been any updates on it in forever. So um, um, I think but you and I both know uh, when we've got a ship that we're eagerly awaiting, you know, just, just the teeniest little sliver of anything. Oh, yeah, we totally. Just, we just make a mess all over ourselves. Um, and then um, the interior and exterior of the Herald have been approved, I'm assuming, by, by CR. Now, I had thought that we were further along in the process than that, but um, uh, it's good to know that, that that's been done. I mean, because the last thing you would want is for, it to, you know, for them to say, ta-da, and Chris to say, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> I didn't realize he had a... Uh uh, an Austin Powers esque British accent. No, he doesn't. And that was. Out. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't mean it. Um, and uh, so, anyway, but that's that's got to be exciting for you because I know you're looking forward to um, to getting that ship in game. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it's. Um, I'm I'm very curious about the Caterpillar. I'm very curious about the Carrick. Um, I I am a little less in love with the Constellation of late. I'm, mm. com- I'm completely in love with my freelancer. As far as a small, uh, small hall, tough, uh, combat-ready, single to two-player ship, I- I'm in love with that ship. I love it's flying the, that ship. It's the swoopy doopy lines. Is yeah. what you like. Um, I still haven't really found a groove with my constellation, um, and the fact that it doesn't really have a lot of cargo space kind of makes me feel like well you know as far as a larger multi-crew ship if i have if i have a five-person ship do i want to stay with the constellation which is tough and agile in comparison to other bigger ships but very limited in cargo space or do i want to go with something like the caterpillar which has tons of cargo space but not very much maneuverability or something like the Carrick, which might not be as maneuverable as the Constellation, but has got a buttload more cargo. So, you know, I'm, my eye is definitely kind of on those ships and their development, and I'm very curious as to see where they end up. Well, I, you know, I, I understand uh, the dilemma you're in, and um, I think that the only possible solution is for you just to start melting. Just and melt just start, everything. Just start gleeping? Just gleep like crazy. The thing gleep. is, I... I really like um, I really do like the constellation, but like for example, um, I, I don't have any need for the um, for the the fighter, ah, the Merlin. I, I just I, I don't. It's it's a fixed weapon ship. I don't think that I'm going to have someone you know on the ship a player that you know just lives for flying that ship. So I just like. You know, I, I, I do still love the ship, but I'm I'm looking at alternatives now for a, a for the larger multi crew ship. I don't understand how it is not already a caterpillar. 
<laughs> it's definitely, I have an eye on the caterpillar for sure. That's right. You need to like do a big cocoon around your, your constellation. And then um, as soon as the um, it goes back on sale, then you just rip it open and uh, ta-da! Morph, morph it into a caterpillar. A caterpillar. Thing is, though, the Carrick is very Firefly. You know, and it's a big ship. It's a ship you can live on. And, you know, you can... The modular design allows for you to have an expanded cargo uh, hull. So... Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Starfarer is more Serenity. Well, um... Oh, the Starfarer you're thinking is more Serenity. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's the Carrick. But, uh, you know, agree to disagree. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway... Change is in your future. Uh, it's it's possible. I'm not going to say for sure because I, I do still like the maneuverability of the constellation, but it's possible. I, I had Chinese for lunch, and they gave me two fortune cookies. I opened the second one. It was obviously meant for you. Clearly. Um, so anyway, we mentioned earlier we've got us a free fly week until Friday the 22nd. So definitely, uh, if you have any friends that are on the uh, the fence, uh, you know, tell them to uh, to check it out. Um, and our friend Amontillado uh, asked a question in uh, the most recent Reverse the Verse about barbershops in Star Citizen. And he touched off a firestorm of film fan debatingness. It was pretty funny. If you haven't seen it, uh, definitely the whole episode. Uh, I guess Mr. Hennessy is uh, is a, a fan of the uh, barbershop movies, and uh, other folks aren't. So uh, they uh, <laughs> really, really they they worked him pretty hard. That's ridiculous. So uh, thank you, Amontillado, for that. Um, then, uh, as I mentioned, we mentioned earlier, two point four has been feature locked, but there's so there's not really much else to report about it right now. But I, I heard or read somewhere that there's been a lot of work done towards making the Reliant flyable, and I think I was listening today to the latest um, Inside or uh, INN. Uh, I forget what they're calling their podcast now, but they they just have the one podcast now, and. Uh, they were saying that, or one of the fellows on that show was saying he really believes that it's not going to be the Starfarer that's flyable, that it's going to be the Reliant instead, because um, I think he, what he said was uh, that, um, that the mechanic or the flight mechanic for it is very similar to one of the ships that is, I, guess, I think, probably the, uh, the Cartual. If okay. I'm not mistaken, all right. Uh, so that the the ship mechanics um, are very similar, and so basically the work is pretty much done. I want to I want to say because we haven't seen it in hangar yet that um, that it wouldn't it wouldn't go straight from uh, from we don't we we haven't got a chance to walk around it to it being flyable in game. Uh, well, they but said, that's because I go ahead. Oh, I was going to say they they said for two point four we're going to have a hangar ready ship and a flyable ship. Correct? Yes. Okay. Well, that that's what they that's their goal, right? Um, and what they said as as um, uh, relative to the feature lock is what that means is that they won't add anything else to it, but it doesn't mean that they won't take something out if it doesn't work. Yeah, totally. So, um, uh, it, uh, the goal anyway, they uh, they said is to have one fly one new flyable and one new in hangar. Um, and I think uh, I think you and I decided already that it's going to be uh, Starfarer and Reliant, uh, respectively. But anyway, other folks are saying that, um, and they've got you know reasonable arguments that it's actually going to be the uh, Reliant that's flyable. Which 
would be um, kind of interesting in that would mean that we would there would have to be um, another ship that is hangar right. ready. Exactly. That was that was kind of where I was going with that because that is a very valid argument that you know it has um, similar flight mechanics to the Carthuol. So yeah, it, it seems possible that they may just be like it's hangar ready and flyable. Yeah. Yeah, and, so I'm and then now let me ask you though, would that mean that they kind of cheated and they just give us the reliant because technically it's hangar ready and it's flyable or do you think that we would get the reliant hangar ready and flyable and something else hangar ready? Um let's let's go uh for uh the second door Monty and say that um we would also get in hangar caterpillar the- no, um, I'd, I'd I'd say Harold. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's 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 a good one. I don't know. Uh, it seems to me that they've been working so hard on the caterpillar that we we might see the caterpillar in hangar. But if the interior and exterior have been signed off on, for, what do you need? Right. What do you need for the for the uh, um, uh, Harold? What what else do you need to make it hangar ready? Yeah. No. True. 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 That. So um, look at us doing our detective work. Mm-hmm. Putting our sleuthing hats on. <laughs> I got one of those big old calabash pipes. <laughs> Blow soap bubbles with it. Um, so anyway, I'm really hoping that it's the Star Fearless Flyable, um, and, and that's just because I own one. <laughs> and we, we got us another um, ship status. The Dragonfly probably won't fit in a Freelancer or a Cutlass, but they won't know that for sure until it's built. Uh, b- b- built. Now, I was, I was kind of disappointed by this. I was kind of hoping it would be, you know, sort of like um, even smaller than the... Uh, Merlin, you know, which is sort of a fold-up thing, kind of similar to a Brompton bike, if you've ever seen one of those. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I was kind of surprised. I thought that it would be the sort of thing that it would fold up into a box, you know, and you would be able to load a pallet of them onto your uh, Caterpillar for you and all your pirate friends. And then when you uh, do a boarding swarm, um, that you just, you know, open the open the cases and uh, unfold your uh, your dragonflies and... Zzzz. And uh, and go uh, ruin uh, really you know nice people's days. <laughs> Charlie don't surf. I love the smell uh, of dragonflies in the morning. It smells like victory. What does a dragonfly smell like? Uh, rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I'm I'm really curious as to see what they do with this dragonfly. Um, I, you know, and I'm not really curious like oh oh omg omg I want one. I'm really curious as to like it's like okay really you're making a motorcycle for space and and you're all about immersion and you know keeping it real so to speak. Mm-hmm. How does this ship go in and out of atmosphere? How does this ship protect? You know how does how does a space motorcycle protect its its Occupant, these are questions I have, and I'm so I'm very curious as to see how they pull this dragonfly off. If it's supposed to be a motorcycle in space, or, or the basic concept is a motorcycle in space, you would think it would fit into a freelancer or a cutlass. If it's not going to fit into a freelancer or a cutlass, well, then how big is it, and is it really considered a space motorcycle? So, lots of questions. Well, yeah, it's like the the speeder that Ray uh, flies in. Um, um New Awakening. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that 
that sort of is motorcycle-esque, uh, but then it's also not bigger than a Merlin. Right, but, uh, it's, but also, it's also not, you can't break Atmo with a ship, with a speeder. Right, right, right. Well, what the, I, I think that, and there was an update on that, um, actually while they were on the air, and I think it was on the 8th, uh, where uh, Ben said, you know, hey, was making reference to that it has a, um, a, a quantum drive, um, and that, uh, uh, but that it won't land. Uh, that had been the... Um, the uh, position at that point on it, and um, uh, uh, Matt Sherman actually broke in and said, uh, "No, nah, we took the quantum drive off." So yeah, uh, that that makes sense. So there's no quantum drive, and it cannot land on surface, which really so, kind of limits its functionality. I mean, you know, uh, aside from it being, you know, maybe, you know, a ship to ship jumper you know what i mean so that you don't necessarily have to eva out you can jump onto that bike and dart over to somebody else's ship with a fair amount of speed well that's why it's a boarding craft it's a total yeah. boarding craft. Yeah, yeah yeah no totally yeah, i get that absolutely um but that but, would be its only intended purpose but that only works if you know you can fold it up you know real small and, and stow it you know once you're on board the other ship i mean um or yeah, I just it's it seems like it's, you would you would think that you'd have two of those on a cutlass if you were you know if you were a pirate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess to be fair, you can't. How big would it be? Because you can't. I don't think you can get a Merlin onto. Because we tried to put a Merlin on a constellation and had a hard time. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm I'm sure. Yeah, Merlin on a cutlass or. Um, uh, you could probably, you know, jam one in there, but uh, it wouldn't. It would not be elegant, um, so <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's interesting, but anyway. It, so it seems like it's been downsized in its range a little bit. Uh, but uh, what it is that they're going to um, uh, do with it, as far as um, um, uh, its overall size, uh, I guess maybe is to be determined. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, then there's um, uh, a new group of backers who will be testing stuff uh, even before it gets out, uh, put out to the PTU. And um, this group is going to be bound by in, uh, by pretty um, uh, pretty significant NDAs. Um, and um, uh, they said, you know, this is not a <clears throat> this is not you know in place of anything. This is not a change to anything we have in place now. That this is an additional tool. Uh, that the folks in QA have been asking for for a, a while here. And I, I guess uh, uh, some areas of the Internet kind of got in an uproar saying that, uh, you know, Star Citizen is now excluding people again uh, or CIG is excluding backers again. And, uh, um, you know, the privileged few are getting preferential treatment, et cetera, et cetera. I, but that, uh, that's ridiculous. If, if, you need, if you need to test high-level stuff and you don't want people to talk about it, in a game that is open development, then you bring in a select number of community members, you make them sign a bunch of NDAs, and you let them try the game. Internet, relax. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think that this is, um, I mean, I know you and I both, um, you know, touch wood here, um, are thankful for our uh, repeated PTU access, but are also a little perplexed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what, though? If, if, I, if I got into the PTU dead last fine you know mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if they if they offer this opportunity for me to do this that would be awesome if they don't op- offer this opportunity to me that's fine it like mm-hmm. uh, go make a sandwich go 
ride a bike, go do something. If you're so upset at the fact that, that some people might have the ability to test the game a little bit sooner than you testing the game, a game that is not finished yet, you got to calm down. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's... Uh, but anyway, my, my point was is that they're, they used a different criteria to select these folks. These are people that are... Um, uh, playing the game a lot more than you and I are, and they're doing a really, 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 really detailed job of reporting issues to the issue council. Have they already um, made their selections? I believe it's already been Why done. haven't you picked me? <laughs> God, it's, they're I, excluding you, oh, man. They're excluding me. This is so unfair. You're so oppressed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but if, if anyone at CIG is listening, I do always download the PTU. I do always play it. I may not play it a lot, but that's because I have a job, and I always talk about the cool stuff that I find in each release, so please don't take me off the list. Please, well, don't no, you can't talk about the cool stuff then. Well, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't want to go on to the, the super uh, special list. I want to stay on the list I'm on. <laughs> nice. I just want to lose the, 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 I don't want to lose what I got. Look, I, you know, I, the, bottom, the bottom line is that they, they're, they're trying to test as um, efficiently as possible. And if they're using backers to test the game, I would imagine that there are some things that they want to test sooner then they can let out into the wild, you know, even on PTU. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. And the people that play the game the most, the people that bug report the most, the people that are really genuinely involved, heavily involved in playtesting, more power to them. Well, yeah, I mean, cause especially, especially you have an aspect of the game that is broken. And they need help testing that. They put that out to the PTU. Then every streamer and YouTuber, right? You know, exactly. who, uh, you know, puts that out there. I mean, that that becomes, um, uh, you know, F- low hanging fruit for right. Exactly, right. fodder for the trolls. Right, fodder for the trolls. And so you don't want to you don't want to to do that. You want to get additional help from different perspectives on. Hey, this is what we're finding internally. Is this what you're seeing too? Yeah, absolutely. So, internet, relax. <laughs> yeah. Not going to happen. No. Yeah. So anyway, um, definitely um, excited about that and all the things. So 2.4 to PTU. Please, 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 please. <laughs> Soon. Yes. Um, but other than that, please do go to Engine.com. They are the quick, easy, and free solution for hosting your community website. That's E-N-J-I-N.com. Thank you, Ronald Jenkins, for letting us use your music. Check him out at ronaldjenkins.com. Be sure to check out Star Citizen The Base Radio at radio.starcitizenbase.com, where you can find a broadcast of one of our shows every Saturday afternoon. You can reach the podcast by email, comms at versecast.org. That's the ticket. On the Twitters, we are at Versecast. Be sure to use the hashtag TGWS. Our RSI Star Citizen organization can be found at robertsspaceindustries.com slash org slash Versecast. Please upvote us there on the RSI Community Hub in the podcast and deep space radar sections. Links to these are in the show notes. On Steam, we are those guys with ships, and please do be sure to check out our gaming community website. It is versecast.org. Say goodnight, Gracie. My name is Gleep, and all of my contact information is in the show notes. Jimmy? You can find me most chatty over on Twitter, at Jimmy Croker. Uh, and then uh, you can find me still, even though the show's on hiatus, every Thursday night at uh, 9 p.m. PST and Saturday 1 p.m. PST, Quantum Drive Reloaded! 
That's right. <laughs> uh, I uh, have uh, basically the next eight weeks I'm on a hiatus. I've already got some really, really cool show ideas um, for when we come back. I've got some great songs uh, kind of picked out. I'm kind of working on uh, the first three shows at the same time. Um, it's just three different ideas that I'm kind of working on. But in the meantime, I'm basically playing the best of. Uh, so as a matter of fact, uh, Dietrich had made a recommendation. He wanted to hear um, Clydesdale again. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that year I spent on Clydesdale. So that's going to be one of the shows that I do. Um, I just did uh, Attack on Vega, the one that featured a number of uh, different orgs and a number of different players uh, referencing uh, the assault on uh, Armas. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you know, I've got uh, another seven shows while I'm on hiatus. Uh, if, you, if anybody out there has got a favorite that they would like to hear, uh, email me at uh, jimmy at versecast.org and um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw it in. Fantastic. Well, until next time, then, we are those guys with ships, and this has been the Versecast. See you guys. Trying to, to get the internet to calm down is just, yeah. Do you think I, do you think I was successful? I think you fixed it. Do you, you, think, you think the people out there in, in internet land, everyone just took a sigh of relief? They're all like, oh. and now for the next, like, three days, there'll be nothing but kittens and, and uh, sloth posts. <laughs> I'm sure... Tatu's going to be knocking at your door saying, can we interview Jimmy Kroger and then fix the internet? We set peace amongst all internet users.